The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, so so to, today on the farm, mm-hmm. uh, whatever episode this is, I have I have my boss on with me, and I hope he's a reoccurring uh, reoccurring host with me. Um, his name is Andy Patton. Uh, you can find him all over the internet. He is mm-hmm. uh, he writes about the Seattle Seahawks, um, and he for for uh, for U.S. What is it? U.S. News. USA Today. USA Today. Yeah. And and uh and you're also the uh managing editor of Dynasty Content yep. at Pitcher List. Did I miss anything? <laughs> and we, we could go over some of the stuff I've done and are still doing for a long time. I I don't know if we got time for that. I do cover USC for, for USA Today as well. Uh, and I've kind of done some other stuff at, at various other fantasy sites, but right now I'm focused mostly on pitcher list because uh, baseball is the sport that's going on. So that's the easiest one to talk about right now. We have an incredible Seattle contingency. Yes. In our in our group, um, yeah. are you jazzed about the Kraken? Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, <laughs> I uh, I was excited uh, just to find out who it was. I'm not really a, a big hockey fan, but I'm excited that they have a team. They deserve a team. I think it'll be fun. They have a pretty dope. Uh, they have a pretty dope uh, uh, like logo. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, yeah. The logo looks really sick. I was I was impressed by how that turned out, um, and I think that they're they're going to be a lot of fun. I think if we saw what happened with the, the Las Vegas team. I don't know if they changed the rules, but it seems like they got a really good team right away because they were able to pick off good players. So maybe that'll happen here in Seattle. Yeah, here's a good team, so that'll be fun. So you, so you're in Seattle, but you're a Detroit Tigers, LT Grays fan. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in Oregon and uh, they did not have a baseball team, obviously. And my dad grew up in Detroit. So we grew up Tigers fans, which was bad in the nineties and early two thousands. Really, really bad. We had Mickey Um, Tettleton. Yeah. We, yeah, that was about it. I remember I liked Bobby Higginson and Tony Clark, which is a bummer. Uh, and I mean, I was 13 in 2003 when they, uh, when they lost 119 games. So I remember I kind of sort of switched allegiances around then to the Mariners briefly because they were actually good. 
And then I switched back to the Tigers in 2006 when they were good. And then I've kind of steadily followed both teams uh, and now they're both bad. So it's kind of just, you know, I, I, I mean, you had some team. really good years where you were living high on the hog though. You had JD day or JD drew JD drew. Wow. <laughs> you had JD drew for like a second, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, you had JD Martinez and Miguel mm-hmm. Cabrera, Victor Martinez, uh, Ian Kinsler, Prince mm-hmm. Fielder. I mean, those were some. You had a team of Max Scherzer, who's opening day starter today for the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Yep. David Price. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else did I miss? Rick Porcello. Justin uh, Verlander. <laughs> Justin Verlander, right? Obviously. I mean, and Paul Sanchez. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, Andrew, Annabelle Sanchez was like a fifth starter on a, on a wildly impressive roster. So, yeah. I mean, you can't really complain all that much. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. Their bullpen blew it for them, but that, that team was a lot of fun. And now you have, to, now you have uh, Spencer Torkelson to work, look forward to. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the pitching too. Mize and Manning I think will be good. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I don't think that this turnaround's happening as soon as some Tigers fans are hoping for. I think they got some ways to go still. Well, we have a rundown that we want to go through, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think I want to just take one sidebar here really quick to ask you a couple questions about the Tigers specifically because sure. you're a Tigers fan. Kristen mm-hmm. Stewart. Yeah. Am I supposed to be excited about him, like, yeah, as a fantasy funny. player? <laughs> Not anymore. No, I, uh, I, I just, the strikeouts are, are building up so much that I just, I don't see, I, I just, I don't, I, he reminds me a little bit of a former, another former Tigers prospect, Stephen Moya, who kind of got a, a lot of hype and billing as a big left-handed masher and never panned out. I, I would like to believe that Stewart will be better than that simply because Moya did virtually nothing. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who's struck out well over 30% of the time at every stop. The Tigers have a lot of kind of young fringy quad a type outfielders. I'm not sure that Stewart will break out over any of them necessarily. Travis Demaret, Victor Reyes, Jacoby Jones, and then Daz Cameron will, will probably be up eventually. I'm just, I'm not very confident that, that Stewart's a guy that, turns into that 30 home run bopper that they really want him to be. I haven't, he hasn't done anything to make me think he's going to do that. Unfortunately. All right. That's fair. Am I, am I more excited about Isaac Paredes or, uh, uh, Heimer Calendario? Uh, Paredes in my mind, I think he's got, uh, he's got a little bit more balance. He, he's got more contact per, uh, has got a good eye, which is really nice. He's good in OBP leagues at, particularly for fantasy, but he, I mean, he slumped heavily last year. Uh, Paredes is not going to play short. I, I think that it's nice. It, I have him in an AL only dynasty and he's short eligible, which is awesome, but he's going to lose that. <laughs> I think he's probably going to be a third baseman and Candelario might move over to first, which will really suppress his value. A lot of Tigers fans want Paredes to play second. I'm not sure if he's capable of playing second i think what needs to happen with him is he needs to get beefier which will kind of land him at third base i think the ceiling for him is a kind of johnny peralta-esque career where he's got some power he's a guy who plays third base but they can kind of leave him at shortstop poorly which is what they did with peralta uh so i I like him a little bit more on candelario as a guy I've, i've kind of soured on i'd like to see him bounce back but i think even his ceiling is kind of a uh, a high OBP, medium power corner infielder, which just isn't really all that sexy. Okay, that's fair. And 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 why why can't I like Nico Goodrum more? <laughs> uh, Nico Goodrum's 
age is something that scares me a little bit. You know, he, he's, he's only been in the league for a few years and he kind of looks like this up and coming guy, but I think he's 28. He was in the twin system for a really long time before the Tigers even got him. Uh, he's got some power. He's got some speed. He's in a lineup that's not doing anything to help him at all. No, nobody's driving him in. Nobody's uh, really helping get on base in front of him, which I think makes me a little bit nervous. But, you know, I, I own him in, I think, two leagues as a guy that I picked last because he's got a lot of positional versatility. Uh, he'll hit some home runs. He'll steal some bases. But he's, he's, he's rather boring, too. Yeah. Okay. So, so just general boredom in Detroit. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, until okay. Torkel sends up, I think the offense is going to be real boring uh, from a fantasy and real life perspective. Okay, fair, fair. So, uh, so we're gonna do. Here's the rundown. We're not gonna we're not gonna have a crazy long pod. We're gonna ha- we're gonna keep it tight, mm-hmm. uh, because it's opening day and uh, Adam Eaton is averaging uh, 340 feet per hit, and I want to <laughs> watch that. Yep. So, uh, if anybody's telling you that the rabbit ball is not back, uh, that's a lie. It is <laughs> yeah. back. And it is better than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're going to talk about some roster moves, surprises, expectations, and sadness. Uh, your approach to dynasty during COVID, uh, and then some two players that you targeted during the off season, and and why you did that. Um, so, roster moves, surprises, expectations, and sadness. To to kind of segue into that, um, Matt Manning and uh, the like. There's nobody from the Tigers that we're generally interested in. Uh, they opted to punt this season. Yep. Okay, yep, great. Sure uh, that, that checks the sadness box. Yeah, um, sure does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so outside of that, from, from a sadness perspective, A.J. Puck uh, was seeing Dr. Neil Atrachi, El Atrachi, El Atrache, yeah, I don't know uh, how to say his, his full name, but uh, uh, that is a guy that I continue to want to do better, and he just uh, he just it's not going well. Yeah, and we think he's thrown 36 innings since 2018, and now it doesn't look like we're going to see much of him at all this year. They haven't said exactly why, but not a lot of people go see uh, Doctor Elitrosh. Is my guess. I'm not okay. positive either, um, but no, nobody sees him and comes out of it uh, usually in a position to pitch anytime soon. I guess we'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I've been a little bit soured on him for a while now, just because, you know, the, the, the easiest precursor or predictor of future injury is past injury and he has past injury. Uh, and he just, he strikes me as a guy who's probably going to end up in the bullpen long-term because of the inability to stay healthy. And because of the fact that the stuff will play up really well in a bullpen role. Uh, I I'm not touching him this year. Obviously, most people have already completed their drafts. If you have him, you can stash him on the IL, do it. But if you need a spot, I'm not holding on to him in redraft leagues. And in Dynasty, I've definitely soured on him, but he's not really worth trying to trade or anything. You just got to kind of hold on and hope that he hope that he finds that uh, uh, ability to stay healthy and stick in that rotation because I think the potential is there for him to be good, but I'm just not confident that he's going to get there anymore. So I'm going to give you three names, and you give me an, uh, the order of, of- – most preferential to least preferential. Ready? Okay. Yep. All right. AJ Puck, mm-hmm. Alex Reyes, mm-hmm. Brett Honeywell. In Dynasty? Yes, sir. Well, this is a Dynasty podcast, my friend. Yeah, you are the sure Dynasty is. managing editor. Sure is. Oh, man. Uh, I think I'm going to go Reyes, Puck, Honeywell. And I actually really like Honeywell, but man, he just makes me so nervous with the, the most recent. If he hadn't had the most recent injury, I think I might take him second. But uh, yeah, it's 
there's just too much risk with him there. And, and, and Reyes, I think, I think he has the best potential to stick as a starter, but obviously all three of those guys have massive injury issues and that makes me really nervous. Okay. So continuing on with general sadness, I'm going to uh, do a subtitle here. Uh, uh, Rocky mountain sigh. <laughs> Brendan Rogers. Yeah. Ugh. I put, it's funny. I put uh, in my notes, I put rookie surprises and then I put Brendan Rogers and then I put surprised question mark. Nah, because yeah, yeah. the Rockies do this. Like this is, it shouldn't be surprising. Like I, I was expecting him to get a bench roll. And even that they, they couldn't even afford him that they gave that to Chris Owings. Uh, and, and with the, when you're with and the why Rockies, not, when you think about yeah. it, wow, Chris Owings. Well, the, the Rockies, if you give them an excuse to not play you, they're going to take it. And Rogers didn't hit well in the major leagues last year. I think he, I think he earned the benefit of the doubt, but the Rockies never give that to people. And so for Rogers like this, yeah, I, I'm I'm down on him purely because of the team he's on. I think that his bad cameo in the big leagues last year, it, it's not something that worries me that much, except that he's on Colorado and they don't want to play him. So I, I wouldn't be stashing him outside of really deep leagues. Um, you know, obviously in your dynasty leagues, you're still going to hold on to him. But yeah, I, I don't feel great about it right now. And I, I wish there'd be a trade where they could get him somewhere where he'd get some more playing time. But the Rockies seem to like to just hold on to these guys and not play them for some reason. So mm-hmm. uh, Ver- yeah. verbal meme, verbal meme, mm-hmm. one hand reaching out Rockies prospects drafted and overall excitement. Mm-hmm. Other hand clasping that hand Rockies infinite sadness because the Rockies mismanaged their prospects. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what it's always like, right? Everybody gets yeah. super jazzed. who's like Coors and this guy's going to hit a million balls and he's going to be like the next Dante Bichette or Todd yeah. Hilton. Yep. And then uh, he ends up to be Brendan Rodgers. I mean, you got, yeah, I mean, that was the same thing with Zach Veen. You know, people are so pumped because, oh, this is a guy who's got untapped power potential. Now he's going to Coors. And I get it. I love the matchup. But I'm like, how are we going to feel in seven years when he's 25 and he's gotten like 42 big league at bats? Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Like, I hope that, that they've changed by then, but I'm not confident that they will. Are you more interested or disappointed in, in Rodgers, McMahon, Mm-hmm. Rymel Tapia, or uh, what's his face? Oh my Hampton. God, Hampson! Thank you. Yeah, ha- I, I'm going to say Hampson. Uh, McMahon's gotten a little bit more playing time. Uh, Rogers, I think there's still a chance that something could happen for him. Hampson is a guy that uh, I, he just really hasn't gotten that opportunity yet, and I think he's proven he deserves it. Maybe even more so than Rogers because of that that struggle that we saw last year. Uh, Tapia, I'm not sure how good he is. I think he deserved more of a shot than he got, but I'm not sure. I'm not as bummed about that one. But but all all four of them really deserve better than what they've gotten. And I fear the same for Sam Hilliard, which we we can talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just Rocky Mountain side, like you said. That's that's a good way to put it. It's 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 a death death sentence for a lot of these prospects, unfortunately. Okay, so so let's try to to um, to change the mood. <laughs> All right, let's let's get a little bit happier uh, sure. about uh, things. Um, you wanted me to talk about a few names, and I'm just going to ignore them for a minute uh, sure. and talk about uh, Gavin Lux because that sure. is a name that that initially yesterday you said let's talk about Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux is um, highly touted, uh, mm-hmm. well sought after uh, for good reason. He was a polished college bat, uh, college bat, high school bat. Mm-hmm. High school, high school, high school, high school bat. bat. He was yeah. a polished high school bat. Uh, but, but you know what? He was touted in the fact that he had a good glove, 
kind of came through the system, got with a, um, a, a hitting coach, a hitting guru, changed his swing plane, started to put the ball in the air, and uh, took off from there, um, as any other hundreds of stories can tell you at this point. Um, but it's the Dodgers, and uh, he, is, he, he was more attractive than most. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is, he's not on the roster right now. Yeah. Why? It- what happened? Yeah, I think it's another one of those cases where if you give a team an excuse to to manipulate your service time, which is what's happening here, they're going to take it. And Luck showed up late to camp. There's been, as far as I know, no explanation for why that happened, which is strange. Uh, I, I don't think it's like a huge, like a some scandal or anything, but he showed up late to camp. He didn't hit exceptionally well. He made some errors in the field. I, none of that concerns me personally about Gavin Lux. I'm not degrade. I'm not downgrading him on any list because of this stuff. But it was just enough for the Dodgers to be like, you know what, Enrique Hernandez is pretty good. Chris Taylor's fine. We can get another year of control of you in 2027 if we just send you down for a week. And you haven't looked great, so we're going to do that. And I, I don't know if the Dodgers, you know, if he hit 340 in summer camp and was, you know, airless in the field, if they would have changed their mind or not. But this was just enough of an excuse for them to, I think, do that. I think he's their best option at second base. He's better than Hernandez. He's better than Chris Taylor. He's better than what they could do with Max Muncie and Edwin Rios and kind of switch things around there if they wanted to do that. But I think that they have enough of an excuse to, to keep him down, and I think that, that they're kind of taking advantage of that. Uh, we'll see if it bites them in the butt. I think they're still going to win the NL West. I'm not that worried about it. I don't think that Gavin Lux being down for a week is going to change that. So I, it, I've i seen him go drop in leagues like the, the two or three days, last couple days. If he fell in your draft, you're going to be really happy where you get him. Uh, in dynasty leagues, I can't imagine anybody's dropping him. But if you think you can sneak him in a trade, which if somebody is willing to trade Gavin Lux because he's down for a week in a 60-game season, then you're going to want to continue to trade with that person because that's mm-hmm. not a move that they should be making. But I'm, I'm not concerned about his long-term future at all. I just think that the Dodgers are taking advantage of a crappy system to keep him down for a week in a season that uh, is going to be weird regardless. One thing, uh, one point of contention here that I want to bring up. We, uh, and I know this is your first time on the podcast, but <laughs> we are a very pro uh, Edwin Rios uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, sure. Always have been and always will be. Mm-hmm. So we take exception to you <laughs> saying that Gavin Lux may be better than Edwin Rios. I love him. I love his uppercut swing uh, and think that he could be something if they would just give him a damn chance. I, but that's I just me. Like- I actually like Edwin Rios too, so maybe I will fit in here. Um, but I would be worried more about the Dodgers' defensive setup, however they would swing it to get Rios and Muncie in the lineup at the same right. time. But, uh, yeah, no, Lux, Lux needs to play. Rios needs to play. If they don't have spots for all these people, they need to make some moves, uh, which I understand their unwillingness to do so because if you can just have really good players coming off the bench, then you're going to want to do that. It's just bad for us as fans of those players and potential dynasty owners as well. Especially when they're cost-controlled. If only they had the money to do it, but they signed Mookie Betts to a billion dollars. So there's no room. There's no yeah, no, no more room. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So we got a couple other names on here. I'm going to let you pick from the group. Um, you wanted to talk about uh, Jake Fraley, mm-hmm. Yodi Tavares, and mm-hmm. uh, Brady Singer. I'll let you handle Singer. So I'll talk about Jake Fraley. Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised that they kept Jake Fairley down. I'll, I, you can talk to Mikey Ajetto about this because him and I have a, a Mariners podcast and we have differing opinions on Fraley. I'm not super high on him. 
I, he didn't look great in his major league uh, cameo last year. I, I, people like the power and the speed, but I'm not sure he has enough of either of them to be a hugely fantasy relevant guy. But I did think he was going to be on the Mariners roster. I thought he was going to start. It sounds like the Mariners are going to start Jose Marmalejos in left field and start Kyle, or Kyle Lewis in right field, which I'm all about Kyle Lewis. I love that. I love that he's getting a starting role. Fraley is a guy that I expected to be in the big leagues, but he had a rough summer camp. He's a guy that I think is is kind of fringy on what how good he's going to be. If you're somebody who's really high on him, I would be a bit skeptical at this point with him. But again, he's probably not owned in most leagues anyway. If you're in a deeper dynasty and you have him, you're just going to hold tight and kind of hope that hope that he gets a shot with them eventually. But a guy with fringe power in a big park, uh, a guy with some speed, but on a lineup that doesn't swipe a lot of bases, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm super high on him right now. Can you uh, can you just sidebar this really quick and pour some cold water on Kyle Lewis for me? Like, play devil's advocate here. Why am I not? Why should I not be super jazzed about Kyle Lewis? Because I am. I'm like, I'm in, man. I want him everywhere. Yeah. I'll preface this by saying that Lewis is my American League Rookie of the Year pick, even though I should probably go with Luis Robert. But I'm gonna go. Yes, with you Lewis. should. But that's fine. I went with Lewis in my bold predictions because I think it is bold to pick him over Robert and you know, some of the other potential guys. But uh, Lewis struck out 30% of the time in double A last year, which is something that you should be concerned about. He walked 4% of the time in the major leagues. His, uh, I think me and Mikey talked about it again. I think he swung, he swung at pitches outside of the zone in like the 75th percentile. And then he took pitches in the zone in like the, a really high percentile too. So basically he, his plate discipline was awful. He was swinging at bad pitches. He was letting good pitches go. It was a small sample size, no doubt, but he has, he has, he has some challenges recognizing pitches and I think that's going to get better. So, and I know that doesn't help with the cold water scenario we're trying to play here, but I don't think that Lewis is going to come out and, you know, hit 15 home runs and strike out, 19% 19% of the time. We're going to see a guy with a 30 to 35% strikeout rate. We're going to see a guy who has, you know, three consecutive games going over four with nine Ks in those games. But we're also going to see a guy who takes, you know, 97 miles hour fastballs out off the plate away and hits them out of the park because he's just got this tremendous raw strength. So I'm excited about him, but I do think that some of the helium might need to be tempered a little bit. And when he has that first week where he strikes out half the time, people are going to kind of come down to earth on him really quickly. God, fine. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> um, Leody Tavares, if we're going to pour some cold water on, on prospects, mm-hmm. uh, defensive replacement, pinch runner. Yeah, absolutely. I was really surprised to see him make the roster. Um, he's 21. He, he has played at double A, but I think it was like 40 or 50 games, something like that. And, and the Rangers aren't I don't see them playing him, so that was more my surprise. The Rangers are another team, not as bad as the Rockies. Few teams are as bad as the Rockies, but they've done. You know, they they kind of jerked Willie Calhoun around a little bit, and I'm not sure what they're going to do with Nick Solak. And Tavares just seems like he's going to be there. He's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, he'll swipe some bases. They'll they'll play him some games certainly, but he was a he was a below average hitter at Double A last year. I think he had like a, a 94 WRC plus. So. 
I'm not, I'm not excited about him at all. You know, I, I'm in an AL dynasty league and I didn't even consider him when I saw that he made the, the big league roster. I'm just, I'm pretty down on him, but if you really, really need steals and you're in a massively deep league, maybe take a look at him. But I think some people will see, Ooh, prospect on the big league roster. I need to go get him. And no, this is not a guy that I'm touching. Okay. So, so similar to him or maybe in the same vein, I don't know, maybe you'll disagree with me. Andres Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, I like Jimenez better as a prospect, certainly. But for this year, I'm not really sure what's what's the plan is here. I mean, he's yeah, that short. was a head stri- head scratcher, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a shortstop. Like I look, my first thought was, oh, maybe he's played more second base than I thought. No, he's played like three games at second base in 2018, and that's like it. Not, I'm not saying he's not capable of playing second base. Uh, he's probably already better defensively there than 37 year old Robinson Cano, but. I don't think that the Mets brought him up to play him a bunch at second base. I think he's just a reserve shortstop. And they have a shortstop, Ahmed Rosario. He's very good. So I'm not sure. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a similar situation. He's a reserve bat. He's a pinch runner type guy. Uh, maybe they'll DH Cano a fair amount and let him play some second or move Rosario to second, I guess. But I'm not super thrilled about this. Again, he's a top 100 prospect, so I know people are going to be excited, but I don't, unless there's something I don't know, and the Mets have tons of injury issues, so you never know. Uh, I'm not super thrilled about this unless he gets a regular playing time. And even then, he's really young, he's really raw. I think he could be good, but I'm not. I, there wasn't any predictions that I had between March and now that had Andre Simenez being a, a, a viable big league option in 2020. It wasn't something that I had on my radar. I mean, agreed. And even in that second base position, I'm taking Jeff McNeil and, and the Mets are putting yeah. him there yeah. before they even put Andre Jimenez there yeah, or, or uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ahmed Rosario. So like, I mean, maybe he could play third base as well, but even yeah. then you got JD, JD Davis. So, yeah. I mean, their, their lineup is very good. Like yeah. very good. Their lineup, their, their one to nine is mm-hmm. impressive. Um, yeah. That is not their, that is not their weak spot. They're, no. they're hitting. It is the Corey Oswalt, Michael Waka, Rick Porcello, yeah. Stephen Matz, two mm-hmm. through five situation that uh, scares me. So yeah. I, I don't know. It was a bit of a head scratcher. I don't see him taking that many um, at bats unless somebody catches COVID mm-hmm. uh, or gets injured. And even then, I feel like he'll end up being a utility player. That gets just enough at bats to screw over your minor league eligibility, which yeah. would be very Mets brand. Yes, very so, much. Good. Yeah, so uh, I guess what we're saying is avoid Mets prospects at all costs forever yeah. until they change the ownership, uh, and then even then wait five years. All right, so uh, so we've talked about a number of players. Uh, let's get into it. Let's rumble, Andy. All right, I'm going to read off a line to you. And okay. then and then you tell me why I'm excited about it. Okay. All right. I am in double A. Mm-hmm. I threw 90 innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a 3.47 ERA, 3.78 FIP. Mm-hmm. And I had an 8.4 K per nine and a 2.5, well, 2.6 walks per nine. Mm-hmm. I almost gave up a home run per nine. Okay. Why am I? Why am I? In, why am I interesting to you? I'm not <laughs> I'm, saying that I'm Brady Singer, but I'm Brady Singer. <laughs> I, I honestly, I recognized it at the 8.4 case per nine. Obviously, I, I know who's on our list too. But I mean, um, I almost fell asleep reading that line. Yeah, it's he's 
I think the biggest thing, and I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but it was a second half improvement. Uh, I believe his strikeout rate in the second half was like 26%, so over nine. And I think the walk rate came down as well. Uh, for him, I think that his biggest contribution is is that he, he does have good command. He has throughout the minor leagues. It was not great last year, as you pointed out. But I, I, I don't – I'm not – super jazzed about Brady Singer. I'm intrigued because the Royals are giving him a shot. And I think that he's could be interesting, but I view him as like a, a three, four type guy. And in fantasy, maybe like a, a four or five on your, on your roster, who, a guy who stabilizes your whip a little bit and will get some strikeouts. But again, 8.4 case per nine in double a doesn't make me think that he's going to come in and, and be a huge strikeout guy. I think he's going to be a, a guy who gives you an okay ERA, a good whip, and that might be it. Maybe get some wins, but it's Kansas City, so you Andy, know, I'm not super Andy, confident there. Andy, <laughs> ATC, well, let's just go with Seamer mm-hmm. is projecting a 4.83 ERA over 48 innings. Mm-hmm. Zips is projecting, projecting a 4.94 ERA Ooh. over 51 innings. The bat – is projecting a 5.43 ERA over 45 innings. I mean, like, I, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt here because we're a friendly podcast, but, man, Brady Singer sucks. Like, he just sucks. <laughs> and I'm just bored with him. And, yeah. and I get it. I get it because he was like a high draft pick and you want to like him. But uh, I feel like this is the, uh, the Franchi Cordero of pitchers. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Mikey. <laughs> and Ben and uh, and who else was that? Dave. Yeah, a lot of other people. Yeah, it's yeah. a, a big group. Um, yeah, with Singer, I, I mean, I don't know that he's going to be that bad, but I, I'll tell you this: my one of my good buddies has him in our dynasty, our AL league, and he was upset to see him get called up because he was like, "Crap! Like now I have to cut one of my other pitchers if I want to keep him." And I don't think he's going to be better than any of the other guys that I have on my team. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not right. even ready. Uh, and I, I kind of agree. He may not be ready. Uh, I don't think he's going to be as bad as, as those projections have him. But uh, yeah, he he's not. I mean, I haven't chased him anywhere. I have not gone and picked him up in, in any of my leagues. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm more cautiously optimistic. I'd like to see him do well. I like to see all pitchers do well. But, you know, uh, I think that the the lack of strikeout stuff definitely concerns me. They talked to, I think Fangraphs talked about, oh, he, he is able to generate weak contact, which is not something that excites me about guys pitching two levels below the major leagues because major league hitters are better at making hard contact. And if you get wait, 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 hang on, hang on, let me write that down. <laughs> major league hitters better at making contact. This is the this is the deep analysis you get. Can I add? <laughs> let me let me give you this over under four point mm-hmm. one ERA this season for Brady Singer. Uh, over. Over. Okay. So I don't you're... think dramatically over, but I think over. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, so we hit on these roster moves, a lot of the, the back and forth on the surprises. I mm-hmm. wanted to just kind of talk some, some high level stuff here. Sure. Um, we have a 60 game season um, and we uh, have no minor league season. I would, I'm going to speculate wildly and say mm-hmm. that there's going to be some sort of uh, Arizona fall league type uh, situation that comes out eventually, but sure. that's going to be a little bit. Mm-hmm. And even then it's going to be very limited. So, so for all intents and purposes, no minor league season. Uh, what's your approach to dynasty during the COVID era? 
Yeah. Um, so I've always, I always treat dynasty very much win now is kind of my, has always been my approach. I, I think that trying to build too far for the future is just unnecessarily risky in a lot of ways, but this year is weird. It's, it's weird in, in that regard of, I still am trying to, to win now. I still want to win this season, even though, you know, there's the potential asterisk and it, it's very weird how it's going to shake out. But I think that I'm really going to be paying a lot of attention to more reactive owners. And I think that most dynasty leagues, fantasy owners are less reactive than your kind of typical joined a random league on ESPN owners who are willing to drop and trade players kind of at whim. But if you see players who are getting younger players in particular, who are getting downgraded or dropped or on the trading block because they have COVID or because of a situation that's really temporary, like I'm thinking of guys like Jose Arquiti or Cabrian Hayes or even Michael Kopech, if people are willing to, to downgrade those guys in any way and you can get them, even if it's at like, 80, 80 cents to the dollar, 90 cents to the dollar. If you can get guys like that, they may not help you this year. I'm all for doing that. And I don't, I usually try to win now, but this is such a bizarre season that I think I'm more willing to, uh, to kind of wait it out a little bit, try not to be very reactive. Uh, if a guy has an over, you know, an over 12 streak or, or has a bad week, the tendency in redraft leagues in particular is like, you know what, we're just going to have to get rid of this guy or bench him because I don't have time for that. But in the dynasty, I think it's really, is going to take a lot of patience. You know, I'm not getting rid of John means in my AL only dynasty, even though it was tempting because he's hurt and because he's, you know, a fringe guy on my roster, but I'm like, he's, I, I don't want to drop a guy like this because I, I, it's a dynasty and I want to build him or I want to keep him for more than one season. And so I think that it's, it's, it's a little bit of a shift for me personally, which is hard. It's something that I'm struggling with a little bit uh, in my, the couple of dynasty leagues that I'm in, but I think it's important to, to not overreact to smaller stuff because the season is going to be so hard to predict anyway. Like in three weeks, half my guys could be sick. It's entirely possible that that happens. And if I'm like tinkering and making moves that are sacrificing my future when my entire season might blow up, that's just not worth it. I can't hear you. I muted myself because my dog was like breathing very heavy and I did not want that to be picked up. Um, okay. So, so um, agreed on all accounts. Um, how are you handling minor leaguers at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I've always kind of targeted minor leaguers who are closer to the big leagues anyway. So I have a lot of guys who I think are probably going to debut this year, but some of them like Parides is one and, and Kellenic are guys that I'm like, Ooh, like maybe they'll debut this year. Maybe they won't. So I'm not changing a lot of my feelings about guys because we're not going to get a lot of information about guys. Uh, what we, what we're not going to see is those like really like elite risers, the Tarek Skubles, for example, who just like come out of nowhere and rise three or four levels and, and are on everybody's radar. That's just not going to happen. And so the, I, I'm not usually as reactive to those people. Uh, sometimes it's good because they have their flash in the pans. I'm not saying scuba will be, but there are players like that who are. Uh, and sometimes I've been, I've shied away from those guys in the past and it's, you know, it's come back to bite me because they do end up really good. But this year we're just not going to see them. So I'm just kind of content to roll with the guys that I have. 
and not react too much to anything that's happening because there's just not going to be a lot that's happening. Uh, and so for me, again, it kind of goes back to that whole patience point of like, I just, we just kind of got to wait. It sucks that I don't get to see how Kalanick's going to hit against double A pitching or triple A pitching, or, you know, your younger guys, your Noel V. Martes or your Marco Luciano is like, I would love to see how those guys handle their first taste of affiliated ball. I would love to, but we don't get to see that. So I'm not going to change my, my ratings of those guys because, you know, I mean, we'll hear some random sprinklings of like, oh, uh, Noevi Marte took Logan Gilbert deep in an inner squad game. That's great. That's cool that, that if that happens, but I, I'm not taking that exceptionally seriously because I just, I, I think that looking into that too much is probably going to do more harm than good. And you're also not hearing about the 10 ground outs that he had prior to. Yes, that, exactly. Right. So right. Like, yeah. 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 Agreed. So basically your, your, your prospect ball rankings are frozen in time. Mm-hmm. until there's actually more information and more games to be played. Which I'll tell you what, it makes it really hard to be a guy who writes about prospects when, <laughs> when I'm not changing anything. hard. <laughs> right, we're doing top 50 ratings are going to come out in November at Pitcher List, and I'm like, man, these lists are not going to change all that much. Like, you got those first-year players. Yeah, you'll, you'll we'll throw the first-year players in, and there'll be a few trades that maybe happen, but – it's just not going to change all that much right. and that's fine. It is what it is, you know? And I think it hopefully will help calm some of the uh, more impatient dynasty owners who are like, well, I've just been staring at this guy's name for a year and nothing happened. And now I'm freaking out. It's like, don't, don't yep. freak out. <laughs> like, like unless something really bad or really good came out about them, which is unlikely, obviously if a guy tears up the Arizona fall league, that'll change some things uh, assuming that that happens and that we get a chance to really see that. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing much of, of what, especially the younger prospects who we're not going to see at all this year. Okay. So I'm going to ask you um, a question mm-hmm. and, and I hope that you give me an answer. Otherwise this will be a very boring podcast. Uh, two players you targeted during the off season and why I think you gave some foreshadowing here. Mm-hmm. I did. I gave some foreshadowing to one of them, which was Sam Hilliard. Uh, I love Sam Hilliard. And I hate the Rockies, so it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, I don't hate the Rockies. I, 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 we talked about the Brendan Rodgers situation, and then Ian Desmond went down, and I got so excited about my Sam Hilliard shares because I was like, all right, here's his chance. It's going to happen. And then they signed Matt Kemp like a, less than a day later. They signed Matt Kemp. So it's like, well, the, the Rockies are going to Rocky. This is just the reality. Right now, roster resource still lists Hilliard as a starting left fielder. We're going to find out tomorrow how that's going to shake out with that team. But – we're talking about a guy who had 42 home runs, 24 steals last year between AAA and the major leagues. And AAA, PCL, juiced ball, I, I understand all of those things. 42 home runs is probably not going to happen for Sam Hilliard again. I would be surprised. But the, I mean, based on what we've seen in the first few innings of today's game, the juice ball is still alive and well. That's still around. Coors Field is still a hitter's park. Hilliard, if he plays, is a guy that I'm really excited about. Uh, I don't think that I, I do have him as my NL rookie of the year prediction as well. Uh, again, it was a, a bold prediction on my part, but I think that where his value is in fantasy leagues right now, and particularly in, in redraft formats, but also in dynasty is, is a bit too low. I, I ended up with a lot of shares of him because I think that he's good value with where he's going. I'm not sure. I think I had him 85th on my top 100 prospect list. So it's not like I think he's a top 50 guy or anything, but he's in a really good situation for him. He's got power. He's got speed. Uh, a good situation is in the park, not a good situation is in the team and the ownership and the decisions that they make that, that makes me pretty nervous. But I think that 
if Hilliard does get enough playing time, he's a guy that will outperform where he's going in drafts right now. And he's a guy that I would, I would want, uh, assuming the Rockies are willing to play him and not, not roll out the shell of Matt Kemp and Daniel Murphy and maybe even Chris Owings for, for uh, too long this season. They are 100% rolling out the shell of Daniel Murphy. Like that's mm-hmm. happening. Just accept yep. it. Let it wash over you <laughs> uh, and let it be a part of your life. Now you talked about Sam Hilliard. Who's another guy? Uh, the other one that I put down here is Austin Hayes uh, for some of similar reasons uh, in the sense of had a good cameo in the big leagues last year. He hit 309. Uh, he's listed by roster resource as the leadoff hitter for Baltimore, which again, it's the Orioles. It's not like there's a bunch of bashers behind him, but I think that he's going to be a decent source of runs. He's got, he's shown decent plate discipline. He's improved in that area. And same thing. He's got some power. He's got some speed. I think that, he doesn't quite have as much appeal in those categories as somebody like Hilliard, but he's got enough of it that I think he's going to give you good value. I have him as kind of a, a good fourth, fifth outfielder. So not, not super sexy, not super like, you know, he, he's not this big breakout guy that I think is going to be like a top 20 outfielder necessarily, but I think he's going to be really reliable. He's a guy that I, I found myself targeting in pretty much every draft just because of that. Uh, and a guy that I think has a, has a, a bright future beyond just this year as well. I think he's a guy that that Baltimore hopefully will, will kind of keep in that top of the order center field situation for a while. Uh, but again, he's not not going to be a, an all star necessarily, but a guy that I think will be a reliable fantasy asset for for a half decade or so. You know, I agree. And and you don't always need the stars. You need enough players mm-hmm. that can kind of be the glue. Yep. So I'll give you two names that I'm into, and you sure. tell me if I'm wrong or right on this. <laughs> okay. All right. Number one, mm-hmm. Shogo Akiyama. Mm-hmm. Going to lead off for the Reds. Mm-hmm. Fantastic offense projected to have an, an insane amount of runs. One of the legal leaders in runs batted in. He's mm-hmm. going to be a batting atop that group. He has shown that he has a propensity to get on base mm-hmm. and also put the bat on the ball. Not just walk, but just actually hit the ball. He's currently 49% owned in Yahoo, and he's mm-hmm. 78% owned in Fantrax. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a dude, and I get it. I get that he's a little bit of an unknown. I get that there are people that might not know who he is at the moment. But right. at this moment, and I get that also for Dynasty purposes, he's 32 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. But we have plenty of 35-plus-year-olds right now in Dynasty that are interesting, Mm-hmm. If you can get this guy, if you're in your window right now, and I'm talking about like the next two to three years, yep. if you can get this guy, go ahead and snatch him up. Like this is a guy where it's probably not a huge acquisition threshold uh, mm-hmm. that you can snatch and grab and, and put onto your team and have a really solid outfielder three uh, that mm-hmm. can bring in runs and and definitely have a solid average OBP for your, for your uh, team. Um, I'm very in on him. I like him a lot and I want to see, I actually want to grab more shares of him if I can. Yeah. I just drafted him uh, today. We were finishing up a slow draft in one of my leagues uh, and ESPN ranked him really low. And a lot of the people in the league were kind of just going on ESPN's ranking. So I saw him falling and falling and falling. And I was like, you know what? I, I have to grab him. It's not an OBP league, which I think he definitely has more value in that format. But again, same thing. He's similar to Austin Hayes. I think, better than Austin Hayes. I would much rather have Akiyama because hitting leadoff for the Reds versus hitting leadoff for the Orioles is very different. If you assume they're going to put up similar Well, what do numbers. you mean? I'm not sure what you mean. Alex Fast, are you listening? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think Akiyama is a great source of runs. Uh, I think he's going to be a great source of OBP. I think he'll still hit for a high average, even in uh, standard formats in that regard. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, agreed on all accounts. I think he's, if you can get him as your, if you can get him as your fourth outfielder, you're going to be really happy. Even as your third outfielder, I think he's going to be solid. All right. And the last thing that I'll plug for right now, and I feel like he's kind of getting some juice, but he's not quite there yet. And, and I feel like he's on the precipice of Isaiah Kiner Falifa. Yeah. Um, he, is a, he is a man that has been talked about widely. Uh, our, our friend, our good friend, um, and I hope that she feels like we're her best friend too, Shelly <laughs> Restraight, uh, mm-hmm. has, been, has been a huge proponent of Isaiah Kiner Falifa, IKF, uh, and uh, has been talking him up on uh, Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. He is currently 9% owned in Yahoo, and he is currently uh, 26% owned in Fantrax. He has changed his swing plane. He was on an absolute burner during spring training. He kept it up during summer camp, not at the toward pace that he was at before, but who could because uh, it was such a mind-numbing level. Uh, but he has continued to hit, and he's outright won the third base job. So he went from being a guy that they were maybe thinking kind of possibly being on the 40-man roster to being a dude who is outright won and owned the third base position when there are a number of other players that could have been that third baseman for them. He he straight up moved – what's his name? Oh, my God. Uh, no, no, Todd Frazier, Todd Frazier over, to yeah. fir- over to first base. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's straight up. And I, I get Todd Frazier as Todd Frazier. I don't know if you know, Todd Frazier uh, was in the Little League World Series. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, but straight up, like, the dude has raked. He has improved his game. He's changed his batting stance. And I get you want to avoid those best shape of your life type, um, mm-hmm. those, those narratives. But, I mean, the dude is, is putting it out on the field and just showing out. And yeah, I'm in. Absolutely. I'm in, too, 100%. Uh, I think it, it, the best shape of his life narrative is always a little bit trite and, and can be misleading. But this is a guy who we've, we've kind of seen his we, – we've seen the potential for that breakout. Like we said, Shelly was somebody who identified it a little bit earlier. But there have been kind of rumblings that, hey, if this guy does some things, there's, there's the potential for him to be a really strong fantasy contributor – uh, the Rangers, I think, make some people nervous, and they make me a little bit nervous with whether they're going to actually commit to playing him there. But it sure, like you said, it sure seems like they're like, all right, this is our dude. Todd Frazier, you're out. You're moving to first. Nick Solak, we don't know what the hell we're going to do with you, but we're not going to play you consistently at third base. Uh, I think it's Falefa's, kind of Falefa's job to lose right now unless he comes out really, really uh, bad, which seems sh- would be really shocking considering how good he was in summer camp. Uh, I think that he's going to ro- hold that job for a while. And I scrambled to get him in an AL only dynasty. I think in other dynasty formats, you're going to want to pick him up for sure. Uh, I was really surprised to hear you say 9% owned in Yahoo. Uh, that needs to come up. He's the guy that I'm, I'm excited about for this year and going forward. He's not super young. I don't know exactly how old he, old, old he is, but he's still a guy that I would be looking at. Stand by. I will tell you in just a moment. I'm going to guess 27. That's just I, I love your here. guess. Let's just do it. Let's just guess. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then we can check it. We can fact check it. <laughs> 25. Oh, okay. He's younger than I thought. So never mind. There you go. Get it. Get it, yep. get it, get it. Bye, bye, bye. All day. I'm in. Yep. Um, okay. 
Okay, so we got, so we got that. Um, I'm gonna just do two more things. I'm gonna I'm gonna just do one more random segment here for you, and then you tell me uh, tell me tell me what you feel. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, here are the most uh, added and added players. You good? Hang on, I got my little boy here. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Give me two minutes. Andy and I are first talking. All right. Um, I'm going to give you some names, and you tell me of the top uh, 10 or so names that you see here that you're interested in adding mm-hmm. um, for your fantasy league right now on ad drops. This is uh, via Fantrax, and I'm going to give my, my friends at Fantrax a shout-out. Eric mm-hmm. Cross is phenomenal. I yep. love him. He does a great job. And then fan tracks just for Dynasty. I mean, I don't know how you feel. I, I play yeah. on a couple different formats, but I, I for Dynasty, I'm, I'm a big fan of fan tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we have um, Yasiel Puig, mm-hmm. uh, Jake Arietta, mm-hmm. Tanner Rourke, Annabelle Sanchez, Buster Posey, Adam Wainwright, Jordan Yamamoto, Vince Velasquez, Wade Miley, and uh, Roberto Perez, Justin Smoke. Those Any of are, those names? Are, are, uh, that's a list of the ten most dropped. No, added. Really? Oh, of of some of the hit. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a pretty unappealing group for the most part. Uh, in in Dynasty, I could suppose like you know if somebody dropped Buster Posey, I would pick him up because you know there's still a few years left in in the tank. But most of those pitchers are are rather uninspiring. Uh, for the for the most part, uh, Puig, Puig obviously uh, is you know is a guy that I would want to own pretty much anywhere, even if I don't know where he's going to play. Uh, the COVID diagnosis is not great. Clearly, it's not good for anybody. But wherever he ends up when he starts gets into a lineup, he's going to be somebody that you're going to want across the board. Yeah, um, I'm kind of interested in Justin Smoke. Yeah, I mean, like I could throw a dart at him. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Like if I'm gonna do throw some darts, it's gonna be Justin Smoke and and see what how that plays out. Just because he's shown a propensity to have some power, but never anything that's been, uh, uh you know, a revelation. So, yeah, all right. smoke, smoke is an interesting one to me because uh, everybody in my home league is are mostly Mariners fans, and so everybody stayed the hell away from him because of how bad he was in Seattle. And so I ended up getting him on the cheap for his really good Toronto years, and. I was I felt no shame about it because uh, he finally rebounded. He figured it out. It's not like it's unheard of for guys to leave the Mariners and be good. This happens all of the time. Yeah. So and then now he's in Milwaukee. He's got a really good opportunity. Short park. Like yeah, he's a guy I would be. Uh, yeah, like you said, throw a dart at for sure. All right. Last question, and then we'll break. Mm-hmm. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays are reportedly going towards uh, having their home park in Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. Is it okay? For Alex Fast to be a Toronto Blue Jays fan during 2020, yes, I okay. think yes. I think uh, they're yeah. I mean, Fast their their pitching staff is really underwhelming outside of uh, Nate Pearson when he comes up. So I can I, I can understand not wanting to watch their pitching, but it's still more fun than watching most of Baltimore's pitching, and the hitting is way more fun. So, yeah, I would say they're in Camden Yards. That's good enough for me to be a Blue Jays fan for a year. Or maybe maybe if you try it out and you like it, maybe stick with it fast. I think it might be fun. Renato Nunez is very sad. <laughs> I think Andy, this was amazing. Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed ha- talking to you, spending time with you. 
mm-hmm. talking baseball. It's opening day. Uh, a happy new year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All Thank right, man. Anything, on, man. anything else? What should we be looking out for? Obviously you mentioned the top 50 list. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, stash lists are coming out uh, later this week. So those will be guys who are not currently in the major leagues. So you'll see more words on Gavin Lux and Brendan Rogers and Nate Pearson and, and all of those guys. Uh, and then the, the dynasty team is going to be doing some going deep articles uh, once a week. You'll see that uh, we would have liked to have more of those, but it's hard to go deep on prospects who are not playing baseball. So you're going to see some, some deeper dives on some 2019 numbers, but we got a piece coming out on Taylor Trammell's swing change uh, by Trevor Huth. We got a piece coming out on Heriberto Hernandez, the catcher slash first baseman slash DH for the Texas Rangers. I think Jamie Sayer is writing that. Uh, and then I'm working on a piece on Cal Rally, and I might turn it into a more general piece about uh, catchers who might be a lot better if they don't have to actually attempt to frame anymore. So we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, we've got some good, good stuff coming out, uh, even though there's not a minor league season. Uh, and yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. This was fun. All right. Hey, uh, one last question for you. Sweet. Bring it on. Jason Dominguez. Will the Seattle uh, Seahawks draft him in the third round or later? Uh, I, I know Pete Carroll likes uh, likes his big athletic boys, so I think he could he could be a second or third round guy for them. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you, yep. <laughs> Andy. I appreciated it. Thank you so much for joining us. I I'm hoping that we keep this up weekly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, awesome. Talk to you soon, man. Life is good, who's asking? Wrote my number down on too many napkins. Got tired of, we'll see what happens. Lights, camera, she bout that action. Which is good when I'm stagnant. Stuck to the mattress, stuck like a magnet. Life is good, but it's taxing. Discourse, distractions. Disco tech mathematics. From my number after dancing Life is good, who's asking? You are not entitled to my time or my passion Nights out ran me ragged Got tired of being nice out of habit You can ask, you can't have it Shorty back home, snap wrapped in a blanket Life is good, who's asking? Wrote my number down on too many napkins Got tired of, we'll see what happens Lights, camera, she bout that action Life is good, who's asking?